This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And welcome to the Vedic Wisdom. Thank you for being with us today. So today I want to talk with you about the scientific aspect of the Krishna movement. Now, because this movement is focused on a complete understanding, the intent of Vedic literature is to inform the living entities who have the human form of life and can hear and see things in proper perspective and can contemplate the significance and work their way through sense control, self-realization, God-realization, devotional service, love of God. Now, it's a complex system. It's a complex science. And it's described, uh, regarded, I should say, in the Vedic literature as science. So, we know the intricacies in material science, the intricacies in biology, or the intricacies in chemistry, or even mathematics, or however many I could mention to you, but all of them require several basic things, and that is a progressive development from simplistic understanding to an intricate understanding of the entire interactive balance and the concomitant factors and the balance of those factors. And it also requires teachers, professors, if you will, to give you the interrelationships and the conceptions so that you don't go astray. Like in mathematics, there's theorems that are constants. There are other uh, aspects of mathematics that are constants. We all left to learn that uh, counting, multiply, division, adding, subtraction, we all have to learn that basic platform to be able to go on and look at the multiple levels of mathematical influences and mathematical sciences that work our way all the way up to understanding the implications of all those things on our phenomenal world. So to become advanced in mathematics, it takes more than just uh, reading a book. You have to come to that level where you see that science through the eyes of a professional. So we have teachers when we're young, and then as we go to university, if we focus on these type of things, we have uh, professors. And this opens the door to uh, the complex aspect of the particular science. Now many times mathematics is implicated into physics or dynamics or it's implicated also into chemistry. The, uh, a variety of other sciences depend upon the knowledge you get in mathematics. And this goes on, there's other subjects we could go into legal and law and criminal law and uh, uh, constitutional law and We could go into each of these different sciences on their own and see that they have multiple levels of development and interaction and they have to be understood in proper perspective because of their complexity. Well, the same thing is true in Vedic knowledge. We, of course, need to understand the applications of this material world. How is nature controlling the environment we're living in? How is it put into motion? How is it created? What are the factors? How uh, are the uh, 
dynamic elements like fire, totally dynamic. Same thing with actually water. It has its own. You drop some water and it seeks its own level. You light a fire and it can consume whatever is nearest. So these are dynamic elements, but they're still material elements. They're not on the spiritual platform, but they constitute ingredients for this material manifestation. The Vedic literature says it's earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego constitute the eight components of this material world. And everything we see, feel, and understand is an interaction or derivative from those eight sources. And we have senses that uh, focus on one or the other of these impacts. Our ears hear vibration. Our tongue tastes different flavors. Our nose smells different fragrances. All of these are generated at different levels in the material manifestation and we're given senses that can monitor those different levels and give us information whereby we derive either pleasure, knowledge, confusion, influence of many varieties. Now this is just the bottom line. We still need to go into understanding how does the living entity transmigrate from one body to another? How does he develop his consciousness? How does he get to the point where he gets a human form of life? That he has the ability in the human form of life to discern right and wrong. He understands the law of karma and the law of reincarnation. So this is another level of this science of God realization. And we still haven't gotten past the bodily conception. Because there's still, how do the demigods get their potencies? How do they become a person who is empowered with the ability to manage affairs within a universe? How many universes are there? Who creates universes? What are the different aspects and expansions of the Lord whereby he implicates the mechanical side of things and the instigates and glances over the material nature and impregnates it with living entities and activates it with spiritual potency? Matter is dull. Spirit is active. So we can understand that all matter that has ability to act has living spiritual energy in it. And it goes further up the chain besides that, and we understand that the Lord has the ability to manifest expansions, incarnations, plenary portions, and of course, demigod level, where he structures further into the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, all of the planets have an incarnation of the Lord specifically on those planets. These are called Vishnu Tattva. They are not on the planet of a plane of you and I as individual living entities. They are on the plane of expansions of the Lord with the same consciousness and potency as the Lord. We've discussed this before on our program. If you take a flame, you can light another flame from it and it doesn't diminish the original flame. And you can, you can light more and more and more and more from the original and from the uh, first sub subordinate. So the Lord has this potency and acts in this way with conscious expansions of himself such that he's able to manifest himself in multiple different amounts. Now, in the, uh, in the Vedic literature called the Krishna book, there are uh, examples of the histories of the Lord's incarnations 
and in his incarnation when he was on this planet 5,000 years ago, he expanded himself 16,000 times and married 16,000 wives and had 16,000 families. Now, no mortal can do this sort of thing. Well, how is this done? How is this done? Why is this done? What is the repercussion, ramifications? What is the benefit? All of these things constitute the higher levels, the esoteric levels of this science. Now, generally, we don't speak on this platform on our program, but we can, uh, we bring this up to give you the understanding of the depth and complicity of this science and the absolute nature of the Vedic knowledge. There is more information in the Vedic knowledge than any person can find in any other one place. There may be books that are very great in one of the other sciences, but the only books that are great in the science of God-realization is the Vedic literature. They are above all other scriptural books on the planet for a specific reason. There's no reason to burden different faiths and religions with this type of scientific understanding. If they don't choose it, they could still become fully faithful and servants of God. But the inquisitive, there are those intelligent and inquisitive beings who want to understand everything and in proper perspective and reflect that truth that they learn and be of the highest order and hopefully help others to come to that plane. So the Vedic literature is delivered. And the Lord allows these um, supernatural capacities of His to be recorded in the Vedic literature so that you and I can understand just how great the Lord is. There's no debate in any religious uh, approach that the God is great. It's just how is He great and what are some of the symptoms of His greatness and what are some of the great things He has done. And this, be, this is known as a subject matter about the Supreme Lord, Krishna Katha, it's called. So all of this constitutes the science of God-realization, the science of the Krishna conscious movement. Now, the opportunity that is offered in this Vedic literature is supremely powerful. Because with knowledge of all of these different aspects and the greatness of the Lord and his pastimes, activities, paraphernalia, associates, his attitudes are given, his intent, his reasons, how he thought, all of this he allows to be exposed through the Vedic literature. Because the Vedic literature is protected by the chain of disciple succession such that none of it gets altered. There's no benefit to... Re uh, reveal these different aspects into a line of teachings if there's no protective method over the top of that literature. We all know that the poor Bible has been attacked and edited and multiple different versions and concepts and have been imposed upon the book. And that's terrible because the book in its pure form is what everyone wants so someone thinks, oh, this is the pure form, because it's the one they read. And someone thinks, oh, no, this is the pure form. And this causes fraction in the belief around the Bible instead of unity. If nobody would have ever touched it or edited it in any way, there would be no fraction. And the unification would be, well, astonishing.
So we're missing a great advantage because of this, allowing this to be uh, altered. And so the Lord works very hard in regard to the Vedic literature to empower people progressively down the chain of disciples and spiritual masses such that the Vedic literature does not suffer this same problem. Even at that, there is uh, people dabbling with wanting to change terms in, tech, uh, in, thing, in things to bring it to the modern age. And our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, said, no. No, we're not pandering to the age or the uh, social conviction or standard. We're going to stick to the spiritual perspective given by the great saints and sages. Without adulteration is the right way for Vedic knowledge to be understood. So, this science requires that level of professor which we call the disciple succession. This is the master of Vedic understanding of realization who passes this realization, this knowledge, along with the Vedic literature to his disciple, who then comes to the same conscious level in realization such that he can do the same in his turn. And in the Vedic literature, specifically in the Bhagavad Gita, this chain of spiritual masters is given. Their names, who they are, etc., their era, is given in the Bhagavad Gita. So you can see that it is not happenstance. This is a planned, protected scripture so that you get it as it is. So we encourage you to see the importance of taking it as a scientific perspective. The quest is, I want to know the truth. And the answer is, I need the scientific understanding of the truth so that it is logical, plausible, believable, factual, such that I can base my life and activities and I can base my words and my attempts to assist others on the same solid foundation. This is what we're finding in our world right now. Everything is in flux, more than usual. And people are having difficulty finding a platform, consciousness level, perspective that they can stand on that will get them through the hard times. Many people are struggling. We hear of a lot of suicides and things of that variety. And this is because they haven't been given this firm platform, the certainty of a firm platform that affects their conscious awareness and their commitment to their life and their commitment to their contribution in society. They falter when it gets too heavy because they don't have the support that they should have. And this is why this movement is here. It is here to give Vedic knowledge, Vedic wisdom to everyone so that they have a firm platform to relate to others from and to sustain themselves in difficult times and to give them a focus, a platform of stability in any type of difficulty or hard time. And if you look at our world, there are definitely a lot of hard times bouncing around. There's definitely concern about what might happen in the short future. Everybody's apprehensive about what may be coming or what may be going on or why is this happening or that happening. More than we've seen in our, in our lives, more pre than previously. And it doesn't matter how old you are. <laughs> so there is this sense of uncertainty that's happening in the human society at this time. And that is why the Vedic literature was brought here 
and has been here over the last 50 years to the entire Western world. And it's been propagated such that everyone should have touched it enough or heard about it or seen something or read some literature that they recognize, ah, that was concrete knowledge. That was real in all circumstances, in all times. And they can then, as times become more harsh, they can say, I think I'll go back to that Vedic book I had and see what more it says to me and see if that will guide me and help me and sustain me through the hard times that are, well, knocking at my door or just around the corner. And Srila Prabhupada, our spiritual master, said that this Vedic literature is intended to assist the living entities in the human form in the development and the stability of their consciousness. We're constantly under distractive influences so that, such that we don't even know what a calm mind is anymore. There isn't a very long period of time for concentration and focus any longer. There is so many sensory impacts upon us that distract us from having the ability to concentrate upon what do I want? Who am I? What am I? How did I get here? What is my goal? What should I do? What is my contribution? Where do I go at death? So many questions that are going to or are currently affecting your life that aren't being answered in the social atmosphere. And so the Vedic literature was uh, expanded. We're at, I think it's, um, it's around 350 million books of Vedic knowledge have been distributed since Srila Prabhupada started that in 1966. 350 million books are out on the planet somewhere. So you, you'll be able to find one. <laughs> and of course now they're all on the internet in uh, ebook form, etc., and they're available in many different uh, technologies. So the number is, well, much greater than that, probably. So the opportunity of hearing and learning from the Vedic literature is very important. And it has been brought forward such that it's easy for you to find it. It's easy for you to um, focus to hear the Vedic knowledge and think about what that implication is upon your life. This is our requirement in the human form of life, to sort out the temporary material aspects and push those aside, recognizing that detachment from the temporary plane is important to become attached to the permanent eternal spiritual plane. Our reality is on the spiritual platform. It is not on the material platform. We are eternal, spiritual, living entities in temporary material bodies. Anything that is in association or in a relationship with your body is on the temporary platform. And anything that's on the spiritual, purely spiritual platform is eternal. So yes, your partner, your friend, your child, your mother may all be spiritual living entities, but they have a material body. They are eternal as you and I are eternal. But we're all in temporary bodies that will make our time together temporary. So we have to be prepared for that. We have to be conscious that this is a temporary experience and a temporary opportunity to hear Vedic knowledge and study under a purified master and recognize how important learning this science completely actually is. 
This is not something where you're supposed to, you go to school and you drop out when you're 11 years old or 15 or 13 or 17 or I didn't finish college, I didn't get a degree. No. This is something that you're supposed to progressively begin to understand and go all the way until you are fully satisfied and you can practice the method of love of God, devotional service, in knowledge, in realization, completely satisfied within, fulfilled. Because the human form of life is that doorway to that fulfillment. So we're not supposed to drop out. Yet we have society that isn't even going to school, shall we say. They're not even looking to understand the science of love of God. They are so busy because of the intense planetary-wide money problem. The intense planetary-wide information, misinformation, disinformation problem. The uh, lying, cheating, and deceiving and exploiting of resources and people by the elite at the top problem. I could go on and on, but that's not our focus. But we could see that there are very wide range of influences trying to keep us from being our higher self, from realizing our eternal spiritual responsibility and duty, keeping us focused on things that are temporary or, are, or we're forced into. You have to get a job. You have to go to work. You have to pay your taxes. Blah, 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 blah. So on the material platform, we have a lot of forces keeping us bound. But the issue bound is to a perspective, a point of view. But in the Vedic literature, it says, break that bind and open your heart, mind, and senses and study the science of God realization. Understand you are an eternal part and parcel of the Lord, separated into an eternal living entity. And you go through a cycle of temporary births in mater temporary material bodies. Until you understand the science of God. Until you become devoted to the Lord. Until you surrender to the Lord and offer devotional service. And then you can return to the spiritual world that is as eternal as you are. And you develop love of God. And you live in an eternal platform of bliss, knowledge, love of God loving service in association of other living entities just like you have done the same things and in association with the Supreme Personality of God directly. Eye to eye, Prabhupada says. So your human form of life is a vital opportunity and you must try to clarify, pursue, conquer over the understanding of this science of love of God, the Hare Krishna movement. The Krishna consciousness movement is the empowered method, the protected knowledge from the Vedic literature, so you get the opportunity to have it delivered to you without adulteration. So we encourage you, listen to the Vedic literature, the Vedic programs here, read Bhagavad Gita as it is, and advance your spiritual understanding. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.